Um, next up, we're going to have Mario Murillo. I'm going to introduce him in just a second. Then we've got Janet Folger-Porter, who's with us this morning. Pastor Rob McCoy, who I'm super excited to hear. You guys are in for a real treat with Pastor Rob. After lunch, we'll have Dave back at 1.30, and then Eric Metaxas is going to be speaking this morning. I saw Eric. He's here today. And then uh, this afternoon, we're going to close things out, I think, with Congresswoman Lauren Boeber. Amen. Wanted to mention something that's coming up as well, guys. Um, on October 8th in Colorado Springs, there's going to be a very important and special event that I want you to mark down on your calendars. This is called Colorado Communion, all right? And this uh, is being led by Lou Engle. Does anybody know Lou Engle? Amen. Uh, Lou Engle and Pastor Mike Paulimus out of uh, uh, Castle Rock, uh, the Rock Church in Castle Rock, approached us recently and asked us to join with them in this event. And, the, and what we're going to be doing at, at Communion Colorado is seeking God for this state. Also pleading the blood of Jesus over the state of Colorado. I just want to tell you, you know, it, uh, Lou shared this with me and it kind of light bulb went off. You know, the name for our state, Colorado, means, that's right, red land, right? So Lou's vision is that the blood of Jesus would turn Colorado red. So there's going to be a nationally broadcast communion service as part of it. Andrew's going to minister uh, after that, probably on healing. And then uh, we're going to be sharing about truth and liberty and how we're going to change this place. So you guys mark your calendars. Look for more information to come on that. It's going to be a great event. All right, so now it's my privilege and honor to be able to introduce to you one of my favorite ministers of all time. Um, I told Mario this, but when I first got saved... Uh, and filled with the Holy Spirit, I uh, remember seeing this guy on TBN. He was a little younger then, just like me. But he would stand there at the little lectern with the single mic, and he just would light my fire. And uh, loved him then, love him now. I got the, one of the first Christian books, I think it was the first Christian book I ever bought, ever read, was Fresh Fire by Mario Murillo. Have any of y'all ever read Fresh Fire? I'm telling you, this man has an anointing that is special. It's unique. He has an ability to connect the preaching of the gospel with the cultural issues of our day. And I believe that his ministry is experiencing a fresh revival of his own. So he's drawing crowds of thousands of people because people are hungry today, hungry to know the truth, hungry to hear the good news that, yes, there is such a thing as absolute truth. And Jesus Christ is that truth. So y'all, would you put your hands together uh, with me now and welcome Brother Mario Murillo. To God be the glory. Well, stay on your feet a second because uh, David Barton got me all fired up. I mean, really fired up, you know? I, and if you, don't, if you don't get loud, I'm going to bring him back up here because every word he said was like a laser. And uh, didn't it, it got you worked up, didn't it? How many of you are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ? Because it is, because it is the power of God to everyone. Put your hands in the air. I'm, I'm a spirit-filled believer. I'm not ashamed of the Holy Ghost. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that right now people could be healed in this room, that signs and wonders could break out. And the most encouraging and powerful thing is for us to feel the presence and the power of God because that's where the faith is going to come for us to take this nation back. We need an upper room. How many of you know we need an upper room? So I want you to pray in the language of the Spirit right now. And if you don't have a prayer language, why don't you get one right now? Christ is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And Father, I thank you that your army has finally assembled. 
Let your fire fall on us, Lord. Let your glory and your anointing come upon us. Turn every leader, every speaker, every preacher in this room into a lion right now. Get rid of every bit of fear and discouragement and confusion and let them, oh God, know precisely what they are to do. We thank you, we glorify you, we magnify you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. I believe you have a shout in you. I believe you do. For him. Yeah. See, I, I knew that. Before you're seated, I'd like you to look at me for a moment. I'd like you to look at the person beside you and give them a born again smile. And then say, you must be a genius. because you decided to sit next to me. You must be a genius. Now warn them, say, because this is where the glory is going to fall, right on here. I'm hungry for the glory. So you're in the glory zone if you're sitting next to me. I want you to know that I'm going to speak directly to you. And... I want you to understand that uh, I am an evangelist. People ask me what I am, I say I'm an evangelist. See, when I think of the word evangelist, I don't think of what a lot of people do. I think of Dr. Billy Graham, who brought integrity to ministry, transparency. And for the shadow that he has left on my life, I've gotta tell you that I am a very, very uh, addicted soul winner. You know, I am. And I'm gonna tell you, if, if you're carrying my luggage to my room, that's your problem. If you're sitting next to me on a plane, that's your problem. Because I know in whom I have believed. How many of you have seen too much, felt too much, been through too much to ever apologize for the gospel of Jesus Christ to anyone. That's right. So you may be seated. We better get busy. I hope you love me at the end of this as much as you claim to now. I do not do conferences. You always want to start on a positive note. because I feel that so many of them fit the description in the book of Nehemiah when Nehemiah was building and the troublemakers kept wanting to have meetings. And so David Barton brought this back. You did, brother. He said, I'm building a wall. That's why I love Nehemiah so much because the Lord told him to go back to Israel and rebuild the wall and make Israel great again. In case you wondered where he got it. And he said, why should I come down off of this great work and talk to you. When a Christian conference has gone for 20 years and repeated the same subjects every year and nothing in there happened that resonated outside of the event, it didn't lead to anything. It is amazing what can be perverted. You can pervert intercessory prayer, even that. Moses did it standing at the Red Sea. And God said to him, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to move forward. We've had events without altar calls. We've had prayer gatherings without a strategy to take back the nation. There was never any sense 
that we were doing anything but virtual reality. And one day, we're going to get so stirred that we're actually going to change and do something. Now, I'm going to tell you that I was so excited with David Barton's presentation that I almost feel ashamed to be up here speaking because his machine gun was firing and it was hitting every target that we, it was checking off every bullet point that this conference has got to do. And I'm gonna tell you, if you ever want me to be here again, there's one thing I'm gonna ask of you. Let's turn this into a permanent change in the nation. The second reason I accepted the invitation, by the way, I don't esteem myself to be some item to be invited somewhere. I don't. I give God all the glory for what's happening in my life. I can't take credit for anything. Uh, the sign of my being invited to things shows the desperateness of the hour. <laughs> but the other reason is Andrew Womack himself. who has an amazing gift, an amazing gift. And it literally, when everybody was screaming, yelling, and spitting, and sweating, he just stood there and gave the truth. And it left more of an earthquake and a reverberation and an impact than all the noise and all the smoke. And he's building something. Anybody that can wait until it's 9,000 feet before you build a building? <laughs> the only person I know like that was Caleb in the Bible who asked for the mountain country. And he said, uh, I'm not going to retire. I'll be bored. I got to kill giants. I got to do something. He said, I'm as strong now as I was when I was a young man. I'm not going to give up. Don't like golf. I'd uh, rather kill devils and take back land. That's why I'm here. I want to get some of that. How many of you want some of what's in this atmosphere on this campus? Let me begin. I hate introductory remarks, I really do. I wish the guy would just get to the point. The greatest speech that Lincoln ever gave was not the Gettysburg Address. I'll take nothing away from that fantastic speech, but it was his second inaugural address. And he got in trouble with the New York Times. That's how I know it was a good speech. <laughs> in this address that was supposed to be spiking the ball over the Union victory of the Confederates, he took a different tone, a very somber one. And I, for one, cannot imagine what was on that man's shoulders. And instead of delivering an address that would give his plan to rebuild the nation, instead of giving a sermon, I mean a message about the great victory and we put those Southerners in their place, he grieved like a father that had children that had killed each other. They accused him of preaching a sermon. I hope I will be accused of that at the end of this hour. He said, if we could first know where we are and whither we are tending, we could then better judge what to do and how to do it. I am not qualified as these other speakers are. I'm sorry. If you're looking for political science, I feel like I'm challenging Betty Crocker to a bake-off here. <laughs> but I do believe that there are two things this conference had better accomplish. 
we'd better learn where we are and what we should do. Now, isn't it amazing how Abraham Lincoln so clearly mirrored the words in 1 Chronicle chapter 12, verse 32, of the sons of Issachar, who understood the times and what Israel should do. Now, Lincoln's heartache in that message where he described slavery and the judgment of God and, the, and that God's ways are just in all his ways. I'm gonna say something from the very beginning that some of you are gonna disagree with. You're not gonna like me after that, and I'm prepared for that. As you can see, I am so uh, vulnerable to people's opinion of me. <laughs> we should never have permitted gay marriage to be legalized in the United States of America. Oh, I'm hateful and I'm all that. You have to understand, I spent 10 years at the University of California at Berkeley winning atheists and communists to Christ. That's what I did. I'm an evangelist. I win the lost. We recently did a tent crusade 45 minutes from here. And in that crusade, on the final night, the attendance was just under 5,000 people in a 2,500-seat tent. I'm Latin, uh, so it reminded me of when my family went to the drive-in. <laughs> but in that meeting, the unsaved attended. They were invited and they came. Look at me. Drug addicts came. Atheists came. Transgenders came. So the first sacred cow, and I love to kill sacred cows. Brother Barton mentioned Fort Worth. Uh, I'm a meat eater. Man, I'm, I'm just all over the map here today, right? Political, dietary. But the fact is, if you, if you hear my heart, I love to kill sacred cows because they make the most delicious hamburgers. And one of the sacred cows that we have is that we don't realize that we were in worse shape before the pandemic than after as a church. People think, oh, it was evil that we were locked down. No, the evil was before. And the evil that we were in is when the devil seduced an entire generation to go after members instead of disciples. And we didn't correct false doctrine. It became fashionable to believe that it was unloving and judgmental to coincide with 60% of the New Testament. Over half of the New Testament is dealing with imbalance and correcting false doctrine. Paul's letters to the Corinthians are, uh, God gave the Corinthians every Christian childhood disease so that we might have those letters. And they were written for our power and our help. The Bible tells us to shut down the mouth of those that teach false doctrine. Now today, I can tell you that the most insidious, disgusting, and pitiful speech I ever heard in my life was the last one that Biden gave. I've never heard anything more despicable. I can't believe that anyone with an IQ above an eggplant could not see how evil and vile and disgusting every word he said was. Uh, I, I didn't want to beat around the bush on that. <laughs> but we've got to look at ourselves for a moment. The devil didn't steal America, the church gave it away. And, and if we're gonna begin with quoting Charles Finney, he said it. He said, if there's anything wrong in the political system, it is the pulpit that is to blame. And we have, have 
listen, the fact that I could be judged and criticized and rejected for pointing out imbalance, the reason I know that the stress of the pandemic has lifted is the church is reverting to her old foolish ways. Before the pandemic, we could not criticize any speaker, any music group that would draw a crowd. If they drew a crowd, we're gonna leave it alone. There is a built-in. That's why I knew when I started doing 10 Crusades, if I wanted my critics to get off my back, I had to get a crowd. And the Bible told us that not everything that would draw a crowd would be right. And not every speaker that drew a small group should be ignored. The power of the book of Timothy that Paul wrote is so intense, so emotional. For me, it's the most emotional writings that Paul ever did. And in his parting words to his son in the Lord, he says, I wanna warn you that the contaminated crowd is coming. When we read 2 Timothy 4, it says the day will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own lust, they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Now, we read that wrong. We thought that the teachers had the itching ears. The audience had the itching ears. The audience had it. And thank you for putting the owner's manual up on the screen. The next point that Paul made in this, he said, you're going to have to face the fact that telling the truth at one point in the church will be unpopular. We know it's unpopular in the world, but it's also unpopular in the church. Now let's go back to this amazing presentation by David Barton. How did all these elections happen? They all happened before the pandemic. This insidious George Soros, Bill Gates, this network of Globius, Devos, all of that, all of that, the teachers union, all of the tentacles of this monster were laid in place long before the pandemic. The pandemic gave them the open door to set the monster, release the Kraken, if you will. That's what did it. But the church was looking the other way. I'm getting members. I've got lots of people to come into my church. I've got an incredible congregation. I'm adored and loved. You know, there was a, a David McKenna, Dr. David McKenna, who was the president of Gordon-Conwell University Theological Seminary, and at one time the leader of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, wrote a wonderful book called The Fire in the Fireplace. And he, he said this, so, so I won't look so radical, I'm going to quote him. A congregation will elevate a pastor to superstar status if, in return, he will keep the demands of God off of their back. Where do we lose it? Why, where do we lose all these local elections? Where did we lose it? We lost it because we quit quoting the Bible in the pulpit, teaching the people the power of the blood, the rights of the believer, the inherent need to repent of sin and be born again. Now to add insult to injury, before you clap, to add insult to injury, you need to listen to me. Night after night after night, I preach to a tent full of gangsters, drug addicts, prostitutes, homeless people. Why? Because we go and get them. Is that a condemning of you? No, that's not even the point. The point is that when I stand up, there is not one word borrowed from a fortune cookie. There is not one syllable added from something that Anthony Robbins might have said. When you can't tell in the modern church, the modern church names, half of them sound like marijuana dispensaries. There's this inherent sense that we've got nothing to say to America. 
And we've got everything to say. And I'm going to stand here and tell you, I get up there, the biker is watching me, the atheist is watching me, the drug addict is watching me, and I tell them that he came and he was born of a virgin, he was God incarnate, he was the word, he went to the cross, he died, and by his blood your sins are forgiven. And if you are born again, you must transfer from your life to his life. And they come running to God. Yeah. Is there anything more despicable than a minister standing in a pulpit because a born-again audience has decided they don't want to hear it. And a world is dying. Somebody said, how did we lose America? We quit winning souls. We quit telling them they were wrong. Billy Graham told America they were wrong. He stood up there and he said, the, the women's missionary council leader is going to the same hell as the prostitute if she is not born again. Now, let me tell you something. I want you to understand that what I'm saying is not to condemn other people. In this conference, I know, I'm pretty sure that Richard Harris checked me out before he invited me. <laughs> and he knew that I was not gifted in constitutional law the way he is. What I'm gifted in is the gospel. And what I will tell you is this. The first sacred cow that I want to kill is the idea that you cannot tell a congregation, look, the day of us, and I'm gonna, I'll give you a model. A man invited several people to his banquet, Jesus said, a great banquet. When the Son of God says the banquet was great, you can write it down. And he said he invited all and they didn't come. That was our first test. We invited America to hear the gospel and they didn't come. So what did we do? We changed the gospel. Here's what this man did that the church didn't do got mad, got mad. You know, you're gonna wonder about me, but I, it makes me mad that people wanna hear Oprah more than Mario Murillo. It makes me mad. I'm standing, I, am I okay so far? Now look, that's not arrogance. Don't call that arrogance. What Oprah teaches is oatmeal. It's too thick to swim through and too thin to stand on. Now, why should I apologize? Look at me, why should I apologize? What I'm telling you is gonna get you off of alcohol in one step instead of 12. This is gonna make you wanna keep your baby. This is gonna deliver you from being a wife beater. This blood, when it touches you, changes your mind, gives you a new life. I, I was debating a socialist. He said, we can go in the ghetto and put a new suit on the, the men in the inner city. I said, and God will put a new man in that suit. Well, let me tell you, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it answers everything. The black lives don't matter until Jesus is in the sentence. Women's rights don't work until Christ is in the argument. We belong at the table of influence to tell America. You want racial justice, you want equity, you want truth, you want peace, you want violence to get off your streets. If there was more hell being preached in the pulpit, there'd be less hell in the ghetto. It's time for us to have a conversation with ourselves. I no longer want itching ears. I no longer want to run after a prophet that is saying crazy things. I don't need to lay around, roll on the floor, moan and get all emotional. Instead of getting up on my feet, putting on the armor of God and telling the devil, you 
cannot have the United States of America. There were gospel singing groups that developed a spirit of commercialism before the pandemic. Half the gospel labels are owned by secular companies anyway. So there are formulas for worship songs and there are formulas for uh, the repetition that you see in them. I love the old hymns because they seem to have had a larger vocabulary. <laughs> but one very famous Christian group was doing concerts during the pandemic that required those in attendance to get vaccinated. So here's what they did. They had a watch me. They had a choice. The auditorium said, if you're gonna do your concert like you say, everyone that comes has to be vaccinated. So did they pray? Did they go to God and say, hmm, I wonder if what we're about to require of our fans might kill some of them. But no, the greater thing, and why are we watching scandal after scandal in the church? We have a disease. We will not attack anything that draws a crowd. It will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Now I went and preached in a certain place. We had a massive turnout. In the pouring downpour of rain, 4,000 people showed up. And it rained on most of them that were outside under umbrellas, some of them without, in a cold northeast. They were so hungry to hear the word of God. And I mentioned Trump. Several of the local pastors got mad that I'd mentioned Trump. They were able to look past all of the gangsters that were saved. They, were, they didn't notice any of the wheelchairs that were emptied. I had mentioned Trump and they were so deranged in their mind that that was more important than what God was doing. That disease came from before the pandemic. But you know what is so interesting is that the lost souls sitting in the tent are looking at me and they say, what's wrong with mentioning Trump? I'm a Democrat. That didn't bother me. Why? Because they understood the context. They understood the context. And this context is, is uh, the other sacred cow that I'm going to kill. I mention politics while I'm preaching the gospel. I tell millennials, your country is not a systemically racist accident that crawled out of Europe. I said, this thing was a miracle from the beginning. And I said, your friends in college are so stupid, they're actually toppling the statues of freedom fighters who were against slavery. I said, here's, and I, I looked at the millennials and I said, you're gonna be the most boring old people we've ever known in America. If you don't repent and change, you're gonna, I was telling university students this. I looked at them and I said, look, I want to show you what, if I opened up your iPhone, I would see pictures of food. <laughs> this is what I ate. How I many of you know you have lost photographic subjects <laughs> when you're down to taking pictures of your plate? And I said, open my phone and you'll see that I have pictures of some of the young people that have been born again. Some of the testimonies of the miracles and the power of God that has flowed. And what does it mean? It means young people are open in a way we don't understand. Why are they listening to Jordan K. Peterson? Why are they listening to Candace Owen? Why are they listening to Ben Shapiro? Why is this going on? These three speakers have stolen our thunder. 
because they teach virtue and expose political insanity. Here's what I'm going to tell you is why I'm saying this. You can inject the political absurdity of today into a gospel sermon. I do it all the time. I do it all the time and they come to Christ. Because what is this, it's very simple to understand. Something happened. Someone told me to stay in my lane. You shouldn't be preaching that, stay in your lane. Oh no, you're not watching who just jumped into my lane. I didn't become political, the politicians became evil. And hello, I've been preaching against evil all along. When I preached against crystal meth and heroin, fentanyl, no one accused me of being a pharmacist. I'll let you think about that. This part is very uh, difficult for me. You mean the other part was easy? No, this part is very difficult for me. Two thousand twenty, Gavin Newsom closed every tent crusade we had in California. We were in the Silver Dollar Fairgrounds in Chico, and they told us you can't come. We were in uh, the fairgrounds in Sacramento, and he said, you can't come. The Fresno County Fairgrounds said no. Bakersfield, no. As you know, what we've been doing up and down Highway 99 is pretty amazing. But five of them shut down. And there I was in my heart, so devastated, and I gave into it, gave into it. One day I became absorbed in Matthew chapter seven, specifically the parts of Matthew seven where Christ is talking about asking and receiving. Ask, seek, knock. What I didn't know is that at the base of the Mount of Olives where he was teaching this was a leper. You're gonna find out about him in the eighth chapter at the top of the chapter. He's listening. And you'll know that whenever a preacher is anointed, if they are, they're sowing seed in the audience. The seed for a healing will hit someone over here. The seed of conviction will win a soul over here. And it is an astonishing thing to watch the supernatural nature of how God works an audience through the spirit. And God was working in the leper. The law said he had to stay away from people. The Jewish law of social distancing said you can't get near a leper. That applied not only to the leper, but anyone who got near one. Jesus is coming off the mountain. And I'll, I'll, I'll parallel this. I want this to get in your heart. He looked at Christ and said, if you want to, you can heal me. How he got his attention, whether he touched him or not, all I know is, is he was within the six feet. With no mask. Now watch me, because if you miss this, you're not gonna get what I'm really hoping to say today. That leper said, I am not an accident. I'm not a cruel joke. I'm a child of God. You said ask, and you said if you being evil know how to give your children good gifts, how much more? His personality changed. Why am I not ashamed of the gospel? Because there is nothing in women's rights, nothing in BLM, nothing in critical race theory that matches the pedestal 
that God puts a human being on. They are higher in the presence of, they're a higher entity. They're a more noble creation. Is anybody with me on this? They're, they are something beyond special. So that God bankrupted heaven that he might save them. And he got in that leper. And that leper felt worthy to ask. You know, the laws notwithstanding, the rules notwithstanding, social mores notwithstanding, you could heal me if you wanted to. And Jesus broke the law, put his hand on him, leprosy and all, and healed him on the spot. Somebody shout right there. Shout! What is up with God at three o'clock in the morning? You know, he woke me up at three o'clock in the morning. How many of you have been awakened by the Lord at three o'clock? I rest my case. And I saw a hideous face. It was a composite profile. It was a face that would evoke in you the most profound horror and compassion. The face was a homeless face, an addicted face, a forgotten face, the crown trophy of wokeness in society. The victim, the poster child. And he said, he looked at me and he said, you could come and help me if you wanted to. So that's when I would have done, uh, it would have been great to have talked with Richard Harris there because I knew that I wasn't breaking the law by wanting to have a tent crusade. I didn't know the legalese about it, but I knew I wasn't wrong. I knew it was my right and I knew that Gavin Newsom was wrong and that the lockdown was illegal. I couldn't give you the, the, the chapter or verse in, in the code. I couldn't quote the constitution, but I can tell you for a fact that I knew that I was experiencing the exact same thing as Matthew 8. Either I'm gonna go and win these souls and I'm gonna break the law if I have to, but I'm going after them. So, so here's what we did. We went to Fresno and my friend, Frank Saldana, who runs our 10 crusades, a great man. I said, Frank, find somebody that owns a park and is willing to break the law. <laughs> he said, okay, <laughs> he found it. So we asked these people that owned a beautiful large park that used to be owned by the city and they bought it privately, had several soccer fields, a baseball field, it was large, it was in the center of town, it was a great place. And uh, so Frank gave them the speech, expecting them to say, are you out of your mind? We'll lose our business, we'll be arrested. He said, look, we wanna do a tent crusade, invite all the drug addicts to come get saved. And we would like to use your land and rent it from you. And they said, please do that, because we are so sick of this mess and we want to break the law right along. <laughs> Not only did people get saved and the tent overflowed, we ended up, my wife and I, having coffee at Starbucks, which I don't do. That's almost up there with conferences. And, uh, and we talked to him, former chief police. He said, look, these gangs are getting saved. Nobody's getting infected. We got hand sanitizer. We, whoever wants a mask, we give them one. And if they want to not get close to anybody. And he started to have tears in his eyes. And that began the surge that you're seeing today. Every reason that you hear about me now has to do with the fact 
that then Cheon from Harvest Rock challenged Gavin Newsom on the lockdown and the Supreme Court said, you were wrong to lock down the church in California. Now, how many of you will give me five more minutes? Just five, just five. Leave your hand up. Five, 10, 15, 20, 25. Yeah. Less than five, because I'm over my time and I, I just want to tell you what an honor it is for me to be here. Wokeness is creating a moment of the largest harvest of souls in American history. The greatest manifestation, as, as again, I'm referring back to David Barton, the revivals that forged America began locally. They were local fires. Then there's something that the fire, the forestry service will tell you is a phenomenal moment in firefighting. It's called area ignition. And it means that several fires are burning in a forest and what they don't want is for them to come together into one fire. And that is called area ignition. In the revivals of Finney and the others that our brother mentioned, these spot fires became area ignition. And suddenly there is a cultural reformation. That's what's going on. Now, I read John chapter four, verse 35. In the living Bible, it says these words. Do you not say that the harvest is yet far off. There are still months and then comes the harvest. Before, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look. And this is what he says in the, in the living translation. Vast fields of human souls are ripening. Vast fields of human souls. When we came to Colorado Springs, we brought 1,500 volunteers to the tent. And they, when they arrived, and at their own expense, we didn't even help them get a hotel. They just came. The Bible says, your people be willing volunteers in the day of your power. They were there, listen to me. They thought that they wouldn't have a job. There's too many of us. How are we gonna have 1,500 people? The first altar call used up every volunteer that we brought. I'm gonna say it again. The first altar call, we needed every one of them. Now what ripens corn, we know. What ripens wheat, we know. What ripens a soul? Misery. That's why in Matthew 9, Jesus said, it said that he saw that the people were like sheep without a shepherd. Wokeness is removed hope. If, if you believe in woke, let me be the first to tell you, woke is a joke. And let me be why. There's not a thing it doesn't take the beauty out of. There's not a thing it doesn't make worse. There's not an iota of anything that woke touches that doesn't make it suspicious and painful and make you feel less and depressed. It is the most single depressing thing. I'm telling you, it is ripening souls. And we're on the verge of the greatest reformation but two forces have got to come together. The soul winning revivalist and the political activist. They've got to come in one stream and we're gonna have the glory of God. But I'm gonna finish. We cannot back down in this conference. We have got to not be those in the Bible that have itching ears. Don't want to be taught, be trained. Napoleon's general said, the object of combat training is not to prepare a man for battle, but to make him yearn for it. We've gotta be on the edge of our seat. By the end of this event, we've gotta be sitting on the edge of our seat saying, we cannot wait to organize school board elections, to get involved as a poll watcher. We gotta have this thing in us that says, that conference of truth and liberty, it cannot 
work until it turns into action. We're going to win the laws. We're going to win the elections. We're going to expose the devil. And we're going to take back our country in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory. Thank you, Mario. Praise God. Amen. Wow. Fired up. <laughs> How many of you got a card that looks like this when you came in? Either last night or today? Not very many of you. Okay. So we're going to get these handed out. Um, ushers, if we can get these next time, that'd be great. I'm going to go ahead and tell you what it is. This little blue, blue palm card has on it one of those special QR codes again. Okay, this QR code, if you'll put your phone on that and take a picture of it or put your camera on it, hit the yellow thing, it's going to send you to a form where you can sign up to actually receive Truth and Liberty Voter Guides here in Colorado and volunteer to help us distribute those guides, okay? So uh, Mario just preached an amazing message about us standing up and taking back America, right? Amen. It's more than just prayer meetings, isn't it? We've got to, as Andrew said, prayer without works is what? Dead. We've got to pray, but we've also got to work. And we need people to help us here, pass out voter guides in churches. If your church in Colorado is not getting a Truth and Liberty voter guide, then I want you to click on this QR code and sign up and help us get our voter guides into your church. Will you do that for me? All right, so we'll get these cards to you. You can uh, get them from the ushers the next time we come in the auditorium, hopefully. All right, guys, well, we're gonna take a 10 minute break now. And is it? 20. All right, we're going to take a 20-minute break. And uh, praise the Lord, you need to be back here in the auditorium at 20 minutes after 10, 10, 20. While you're out there, be sure to check out the booths, exhibitors, the cafes, and uh, we'll see you back in here at 10, 20.